views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the views or endorsement of any entity. Nothing being said on this podcast should be considered as investment advice. GM. Hey. We're back. I still got the background music going in my head. Same. <laughs> Same. It was pretty rock. There we go. Yeah, we have it going for a minute. Dude, you are back. I'm back, dude. Let's it go. is good to have you back. It's been a couple of weeks. When was the last show we did? Together? I don't know. It's flood. We're flooding again. The, the rivers are in. Look at your white socks on that thing, dude. It's Let's so go. good. Let's go. You know it's going to be a good day when we're flooding. That's right. Um, it's so good to have you back, man. It's good to be back. You've got I've hair. I got hair. I'm, we I've were talking about too. this earlier. I'm growing out my hair, which is awesome. Uh, first time in, I think, seven or eight years, I haven't had a completely shaved head. How long are you going? I don't know yet. I'm just kind of letting it, uh, letting it do What does it thing. do when it gets to a certain length? So does I have some crazy cowlicks. So like, oh, yeah, same. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there, there will be some like uh, winding, twisting and turning that will happen. But I've had long hair before. Uh, so I'm excited to You're show You're going it to you. like this kind of thing. I don't like know. Shoulder length. I don't know. We're just going to kind of play it live and see oh, how it goes. Let's get a little Photoshop, a free <laughs> NFT to anyone that Photoshops Derek today. There you go. The winner uh, will get an NFT from me sent to you. Uh, I just made that up, but I'll do it. Um, all right. So 100 Proof, this is your weekly tech variety show. The next one is going to be in Marfa, Texas, which is going to be a lot of fun. Round two. Um, we are going to be out there. Amanda is here, of course, joining us. Head of all things culture and community. We've got Hello, Sam. Hey, Amanda. Hey. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Got the cool displays behind you, too. That's awesome. You yeah. got plants and shit. Yeah. I love this new angle. You know, we're uh, we're flexing a little diamond exhibition uh, here, and I love it. By the way, is on your shoes, what is that? Is that an ankle bracelet? Who's mine? You. <laughs> Me? Uh, yeah. Oh, this is this is an Apollo. <laughs> I love, uh, we're going to, I'm going to HRV enhancer. I'm going to give you shit, uh, at some point for having two watches and now something on the wrist. I, this is not a watch. This is a whoop. So there's no time on here. Oh, an Apollo and a whoop and yeah. a watch. Of course. I don't have an aura on, so that's good. I, I love this shit. I just, it's tech. You know, who doesn't love, love tech? It. Except love for it. friends tech. All right. We'll get into that in a little bit. We though. will talk about friends tech. <laughs> we got Sam also. Proofs director of research is on the show. Sam GM, you got your NFTs back up behind you. Those were gone for a minute. They were gone for one day, but they're back. I want I wanted to fill it only with NFTs I still own, but a couple of stragglers left that I did no longer own. But uh, Sam looks really good. Like, is this a new camera or is it lighting? Yeah, or it's what? lighting or something is, or yeah. a new skin routine. Something's working. Are you Sun's coming out. Too? I got like natural light right That's there, kind of dark behind me. That's got to be it. Sun's out, guns out. What is it? What does Justin say? Thighs out. What is it? Skies out. Thighs Skies out. out. Thighs out. <laughs> Justin has a good saying for that. Um, LA weather. We have these good sayings for what we do when we it do. gets nice and warm. Uh, all right. So today we're going to be talking about friend tech, which is going to be awesome. Uh, we'll have a good discussion about that. Die with the most locks, uh, likes, latest drop as it applies to friend tech, which is pretty awesome. Uh, William Upon's new drop what that just came out. Um, Your favorite. Which is really, it's, don't give me shit, dude. It's, it's good. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually an amazing drop. It's an amazing drop. We're going to talk about the controversy around that drop, which is serious, um, just for me. 
And then the Nouns Dow Fork. This is a really, really crazy one that I don't know if you've all been following it. Um, Sam's done a really good job covering this on The Daily Show and talking about what's going on there. And then obviously the SEC's discussion, or uh, uh, discussion, but they actually went after stoner cats, uh, stoner cats and had a actual um, settlement with them, which is crazy. And then later on, we have a special guest. Uh, Lars Wander is on the show. who will be joining us to talk about his entire body of work along with his crazy Discord bots that he has that are doing some very fun experimental stuff in the world of art. I don't know about them. Oh, oh yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. You're going to have fun. I mean, you would expect nothing less from Lars. He's an amazing artist. Awesome. So this is going to be a fun discussion today. We are also live streaming this show, uh, through Monaverse. So we have spent uh, a bunch of time here, uh, working with Monaverse over the last few months, creating a fun little 3d immersive world for you to run around in a Moonbird's body. And if you head on over to the auditorium over there, there's some art we put up in that main art uh, room up there. But if you look over to the right, whoever's controlling the mouse, oh, wrong way. You're going the it's wrong gotta way. be CT it's, controlling this thing. There it is, straight <laughs> ahead, straight ahead. There's our live stream. If you keep going straight there, oh, you'll sweet. see Can our we, live stream. That's awesome, I haven't seen this one yet. Yeah, she's gonna have to keep going straight. There we go, down. Oh, don't, don't jump down there. That's how you die. Okay, there we go. CT has already said ahead of time she's the worst at controlling uh, metaphors. She can't be worse than me. She can't. Oh, no, be worse no, than it was, me. there it is. Yeah. So oh, there's cool. a live stream actually happening That's right awesome. there. You might I, be able to find me behind a rock somewhere. I'm stuck. I don't know how to get over there. Now there is a secret <laughs> little underground layer there as well that you have to run around and find. It's beautiful. It's this this, this special little cave that we created. I don't know. We're gonna do, try try this out and do some really fun things uh, with Mona because the metaverse is. Uh, it's kind of they've done a really good job building this. They, they've done metaverses for uh, Tom Sachs and uh, Grant Yun. They've also Grant done Yun, Grant Yun, uh, Sorry, um, who else? They've done they've a got a project that hasn't been announced yet with uh, Eric Scalderon Snuffrow. Yes, um, they've got some other. Uh, they've done something with Cyber Brokers, Cyber Brokers with Josie, uh, and they've got some other unannounced stuff. But um, what I will say is super cool is like what you're seeing is built in Unity and. Apple Vision is coming out soon, uh, and Unity is a first-class citizen, and stuff built within that tech stack will be a first-class citizen within the, the Apple Vision stack. And so I'm excited to see where all of this stuff goes as it starts to collide with each other. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So this is our first little beta test. Hop on over there. I just tweeted out the link as well. Um, and then uh, we should mention that we have lots of events coming up. Uh, both here at Foundry and then uh, at Marfa. So check out events.proof.xyz. You'll get all the links to what's going on in Marfa, Texas. And then the week after that, uh, here at the actual Foundry, we're doing another live event. So um, that's going to be cool. And then also, Derek, we are going to be chatting with you at the end of the show to go over. You've got like how many different events at Marfa? Like, I think we've got 10 or 11 events. Yeah, and so we've got some secret alpha coming up from Derek. Uh, later in the show about some of the events that's going on uh, in Marfa. So stick around for that. All right. That was a mouthful. Are we ready to kick things off with Let's the first story? It. Take us away. All right. Friend text resurgence. This is something that, you know, we introduced here actually a few weeks ago. Um, you got into it. You were the, I, I don't know how, who found it first? Was it Amanda? Who found it? Who's, who it was, was me. I think, uh, no, but I'm sure you knew about it. I think we, you were, we were in each other's channels um i think i downloaded the first day it came out um but amanda why don't you set the stage since you were the yeah because it's been taken off lately <laughs> it really has um yeah i think i remember just somebody on my timeline like uh 
linking to their uh, to their Twitter. And I was like, let me just see what this is all about. I thought maybe you could launch your own coin or something like that. And then when we found out what it was, um, it is effectively like commodifying yourself, right? It is like... It, it's almost like they're NFTs of yourself, but they're but it's really supposed to be keys, right? Started out as shares, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, SEC probably doesn't like that, so we're gonna go with keys." Um, and uh, it is getting really, really popular. I think at first it really hit everybody on CT, all the people, crypto Twitter, crypto X, all the people who were you know airdrop farming, who were really into DeFi, um, and then that team, you know, they're just like a couple of kids basically, and they are just crushing it, uh, trying to find and onboard new different sectors of people. So then we had uh, the OnlyFans wave, right? And then I think that kind of got everyone's attention in that this could actually be something outside of crypto Twitter. Uh, we started seeing some musicians, some like YouTube stars. We had FaZe Banks and some of the other bigger ones. And uh, and then people kind of got excited when they heard that Paradigm was behind it. There was going to be an airdrop. Um, more and more people started trying to figure out how to game it. You started seeing people really pop off. There's this guy, Levi, who says he wants to be the Mr. Beast of, um, of friend tech. So he has like every everybody or every key. And I think he's the top person on there right now. He's like eight ETH, eight ETH or something. And he wasn't anybody who, who was known before this. So there are like friend tech stars happening and, and uh, kind of blowing up. So it's just become a really interesting new space um, that I think a lot of people are just excited about. It's just something to do, I guess. Kev, what's How do you feel? <laughs> My take is that um, Derek's recovering from a cold, and it, that's why good. you sound uh, very uh, <clears throat> deep today. I do. Um, so my take is that this is a whole pot of shit. Um, <laughs> no, like, Tell really, us how you really no, feel. Really, truly, here's the deal. Like, uh, this one kills me because I, I, what they have done is there's a, a bunch of people that are making money off of this, and they're coming out and they're saying this is like the next big thing. And I just don't buy it. I think the the thing that kills me about what has happened with the commodification of NFTs uh, and Blur and others is we were treating these things like just assets that are meant to be dumped into the next person's bag. Mm. And if you're the last one holding the bag, you get burned. And so, you know, this the people are saying, oh, this is so revolutionary. And, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, Twitter had subscriptions. There's been paid newsletters forever. If we wanted, we could have gone, you could have gone on, you know, months ago, enabled a Derek subscription on Twitter, say, pay me a flat $2 per month. I'll give you access to a private feed that is arguably even better than what Friends Tech does. Friends Tech only does um, photos. You could do videos, you could do private content, you could do a whole slew of different things. And it's just like, it doesn't really screw people over because at the end of the day, you have buying and selling that's happening here and it's based on a bonding curve. So there are some people, like you said, the, the developer is what, 8 ETH now? I think Racer is, someone keep you honest, but I think Racer is somewhere between 7 and 8 ETH. Okay, so you have some people on here that are paying thousands of dollars to have access to a private feed and you go into the private feed and it's like developer notes and things like that. And, you know, it's just speculation. And I, I, the thing I worry about, and it, I, I listen, I'm on here and I play with it because I think it's important to have fun and learn about the latest tech. There's no doubt about it. Um, we should be paying attention because there might be useful components of this that we use in other projects, or even this could turn into something that is, that is useful over time. The thing I worry about is just, we, I've seen so many people get burned in Web3 where they bought into something that they thought or they overextended themselves in some way. And then they're like, 
they're they're really upset. They're, it gives us a bad look. It gives us a bad mm. name. Web, Web3 has a serious reputation problem right now in that it's all like scams and people are getting hacked and you know it's all about get get rich quick schemes and if that continues to be the narrative it's going to turn off a lot of everyday people yeah. i mean just last week mr beast came out with something and said hey it's going to be have blockchain tech and all of a sudden all the people that had signed up for it had to roll back these influencers and say oh i didn't know it was going to have blockchain tech i know my followers don't like blockchain there's like this this group of people out there now that is massive this is, i will never touch web3 because right. it's, it's a bunch of scams and i worry that this just pushes that even further right so i don't disagree with anything you just said um i do think bonding curves have a way of really reducing the friction to exposure like economic exposure towards an object in the in this case like the key to somebody's room is the object it's not an nft uh it's non-transferable it's associated with you know a very specific person and a very specific product which is like a chat room with this person right and bonding curves we've seen this experiment be played with objects in web3 in the past and to your point i think it does two things it does two things simultaneously it allows people to quickly move in and out and get exposure towards an object very quickly without a ton of real UX friction. But to your point, that simplicity, that seamlessness of being able to engage with an object financially in that way also can lead to, you know, things getting like very it does. Priced. It didn't have to be a bonding curve. It, it could have been be a straight line. Curve. I will say like there is a 100% agree. Like if I think about like the spectrum of how these things could have worked in these rooms, like to me, without having to yeah i would say like there is something about like um just like the ux benefits of being able to just like not even have to think about it it's like you buy into a curve or you sell out of the curve and like that is your economic exposure or deleveraging against like the object i think there's benefits to that from a ux perspective but i agree with you like there's probably other mechanisms to play with the same idea of economic exposure without like you know, a very steep curve. Maybe the curve is so insanely steep. If it's eight ETH and you have a couple hundred followers, like it should be going up 0. 0.00001 ETH per additional follower. Yeah. I like think otherwise, this is never going to get to scale. I think there, that feedback has been packaged. I'd love to hear, uh, and I don't know where the team has netted out. Like they might be concentrating for your 100 true fans or your 200 true fans. But I think other people are looking at this product and saying, maybe we should have 10,000 fans or 50,000 right. fans. And to your point, the curve should you know, be less aggressive. But I'd love to hear from Sam because I know he's got yeah. a ton of data here uh, and thinking. Man, I, I, I kind of have three different thoughts. The first is I actually, I'll kind of sit a little bit between Amanda's introduction and what Kevin said. And I, I think that there are some interesting use cases here. I think like it is like the... The form factor is different from subscriptions. There's something about the simplicity, about the fact that you own these assets that can go up or down that like has worked. And what it also has done is it's got creators to care a lot. So you have a lot of these creators or people give me so much shit because I always say creators, but I just stick with it because kind of because people give me shit for it. Uh, obviously, someone who's in a room saying GM isn't necessarily we'd call a creator, but whatever. So I, I, I like you have I, I see two different types of spaces. One of them is just tons of people talking about all these benefits they're getting and these amazing experiences they're having through it. The second piece, though, is that it's clearly in so, like a speculative bubble of sorts. And right. yeah, I, I ask people like who is out there 
who's out there, why are you using Frontech? And more than four X as many people who said they're using it to meet people said they're using it to make money. You know, one of the reasons I haven't joined yet is because I've had like 15 people ping me, say, DM me before you launch. It's like, I don't want to, like, I just, this just isn't for me. This isn't like, have, this isn't the reputation I have in this space. I don't want to be the person who people are betting on or against with their own money over something that like, so I, I might join, like, don't get me wrong. But one of the downsides is I just find it <laughs> weird that you have all these people pinging me being like, Hey, let me know when you go, let me know when you're going to launch. Cause they want to bet on these keys. It just feels silly at some point. And that gets me to my third point. I don't think the bonding curve is the issue. I think the incentive structure is the issue. I think we've seen it with blur and we're seeing it now that like paradigm is like trying to create these situations where you're ramping up TVL so quickly when the product's not ready for it. You know, I talked to one guy who said, this is a, this is the best risk reward in the airdrop I've ever seen. I said, well, have you sold any of your keys? Because I can't sell because I need to keep them in the keys because the airdrop rewards people who have their TVL locked in keys. Oh, so you have this structure that just gets people to hold these things as long as possible. And what that leads to is prices pump higher and higher. FOMO gets in. Steve Aoki makes 24 ETH in 24 hours. People hear about that. I'm sitting here thinking I should get it on. And that's what these incentive structures do. And this product isn't ready for it. Like the tech isn't quite ready for it yet. You know, and it, I, I think this would, be, and it's all for the sake of getting liquidity before the product's first birthday. And it just, it's one of the things I think that crypto does, which isn't great for the long-term sustainability of anything. Like this would be an incredible product if we just got to see how prices would evolve by the natural product. And you can see where things are. And most people would probably be trading around 0 0.01, 0 0.02 ETH. They'd enjoy it. But right now, it's just this thing where everyone's trying to get to like, like, like random people on Twitter, you can DM are trading at 0.6 ETH. Like those people will respond to your DMs. Like why are you paying $1,000 to get them to respond to your DMs? You know why they're paying. Speculative yeah, it's speculation. It, that, that's why they're exactly. paying. It's, just, it's the speculation. It, yeah, I mean, the thing here, Sam, though, that I'm, I'm curious to get your take on is that like, I, I, I have this feeling that obviously the content is not there's no there's no real innovation here other than just the application of the bonding curve and so it's like we, we could have done any of this with twitter subscriptions right or, or a paid newsletter right and so you have a lot of bots going in here buying random people's keys and what it does and the really shitty part about it that i'm, I'm most concerned with is it puts a lot of pressure on the creators to then deliver and have their share price their key price go up over time otherwise people will get pissed off at them because they want to make money, right? And so if you do that to individuals, what a horrible thing to like have now people, basically you're now an NFT, you know, project creator because you have to deliver. If you don't deliver and people start selling your keys over time and people start getting pissed off at you because you're not posting the right kind of content, you're not engaging your users, you're not tweeting out, go join me on friend tech over and over again. It's just going to create this really toxic environment that I worry is just not going to be healthy for the ecosystem. Does that bother you at all, Sam? Like, do you worry about that? I do a little bit. Like, I, I, it's one of the reasons I haven't set it up yet is because, like, to me, if people are paying to get my perspective, I want to commit to that over the long term and I want to be present and I want to be able to give people what I think they're paying for. So it is one of the things that's that's been a holdup. I think the better comparison than Twitter subscriptions is kind of some of these token-gated Discord groups. Like, Wumbo Labs, for example, like Cyrus is, is a great friend. I think he's one of the absolute best minds in NFTs, really. But he has a, a, a token-gated Discord called Wumbo Labs where you buy the token and you get his price. Or, I mean, you get 
you get access to him, you get his perspective, and then you can sell it, you know, and that's, it's very, and that's the exact same thing as buying someone's key is it's, you pay for the NFT, you see how the asset does over time, you get the access in the meantime, and then you sell it. So I, that's the one that I think is, is more comparable than Twitter subscriptions, where it's still more of a yeah. one way kind of, kind of talking. The thing that this does, though, is like, Robinhood took off not because they added any new tech, any new functionality. They just had a better form factor and design. They made it really simple to buy and sell stocks. So I think like little design tweaks can make a huge difference. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that here. Yeah. It's, oh, no, go ahead. I was just saying it's, it's a great point because if you think about, you know, the Proof Collective started as obviously a paid membership to a private group. And if you paid for that and you bought that initial NFT, you know, you had access um, to, to, certain information about artists and upcoming drops and artwork and things like that. So I get that it's it's not a whole heck of a lot different than that. My worry is that being on the creator side of that and having yeah. been the recipient of people's um, uh, being upset when they buy at an all-time high and then something mm -hmm. goes down, it is a tough world to operate in as a, crea a content creator. And I just worry that's really going to like impact the psyche of a lot of these people that may have their price pump and then just all of a sudden deal with whatever bubble yeah. fallout comes on the other side of this. So it's I would have much preferred a much slower ramp on the on I think the that's fair curve. feedback. I, I know we got to jump to the next story. I'll yeah. say one last thing on Sam's point, which is um, in terms of like the form factor being an upgrade, I think that's a very astute point. And I think we're starting to see this emerging ingredient stack. Uh, start to come about around like on-chain social and on-chain consumer products. And it involves things like PWAs. It involves things like bonding curves. It involves things like, you know, token gating and access control. It involves things like uh, points or incentives to direct behavior. Uh, it involves things like, you know, um, a very easy UX of being able to engage with, uh, you know, getting exposure to an object. And so I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say like, there's no innovation here. Because I do think to Sam's point, we are seeing like this bundling and rebundling of ingredients in a very specific direction that I think offers a net new upgrade for how social products on chain can exist. But I think a lot of what you're saying and what Amanda has said, which is these might not be the optimal ingredients or they need to still get optimized in ways that are more instructive to like long-term outcomes, which I totally appreciate. Well, one one uh, last thing I would just want to point out there, uh, I think it's important to say just to wrap this up, is yeah, I said this since the, in the very first time that we we mentioned this on the show. It's like, I'm on here, and the reason I created an account is because I want to play. And, I, and I'm not against anyone wanting to play, obviously. Just don't do it with insane amounts of money. Do it with, I've already written it off, whatever I put in there, and saying I'm just going to lose this. And the other thing is like, their Twitter authentication. If Twitter shuts off their API and drops the authentication method, you lose complete, unless you've backed up your private key, you lose complete access to everything. So just something, something to remember there. You can export your private key and save that. Just a reminder, maybe that might be a good idea to put that into a one password and save it someplace safe because otherwise they have no way to author you back in. I think they've got- I'll also that. just throw in, oh, go ahead, someone created a fake account for me, Punk9058, and made an identical Twitter to me. And that person like still is making money. They made $3,500 in fees in one day. So don't take that one. No one go and buy the keys <laughs> for Punk 9058. I'm not on there yet. I'll announce on my Twitter when I'm there. That was me. I made some good <laughs> coin off that shit. Um, good all right. That was good. I think that was a good combo. Very nuanced, and I think we hit all the right points. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, nothing against innovation. Just be careful, people. I worry. All right. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, oh, we're going to mention Die with the Most Likes. The let's drop? Yeah. 
Yeah, who has the details on this? Do you have the the finer points on this, Amanda? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, I can talk about it because uh, I couldn't I couldn't quite mint, but I almost I almost did. Um, it was a drop by Nifty Gateway. It was sixty nine dollars and sixty nine cents, I think. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, I really love this idea of like packs, right? You don't know which one you're going to get. Um, I think there was a little write-up that showed that, like, you know, you'd have certain rarities or certain uh, chances to get, you know, ones that had, you know, three editions or nine editions or whatever. Um, and it was all kind of random, but they were all amazing. Uh, I think he's becoming slowly one of our favorites here um, at Proof and, you know, just on the timeline. So, so congrats to him on this awesome drop. Um, all of them have, you know, some social commentary to it. Um, it feels very... I don't know. It just feels like so different, so fresh. Feels uh, honest. Very honest. Yeah. Um, I've said it a million times that my normie, normie husband uh, somehow really relates to Die With Most Likes. I think it's just something about the commentary on, I don't know, suburbia or, you know, what it's like to be uh, just a, a millennial in these in these days. I think it's just so great. This is one of my favorite artists that I, you know, had very little exposure to prior to Grails. Mm -hmm. And when the Grails dropped, and I, it was actually, uh, I didn't know who the artist was when I saw the artwork because yeah. he like keeps the stuff quarantined. It's not like we couldn't ask and find out, but I, I truly don't ask. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I found out and I was like, oh my God, I love this piece. Who is it? And he's yeah. like, oh, it's I with the most likes. And I was like, holy shit. And then I just like did a deep dive and I'm like, this is someone that I feel is like, ripe to like actually blow up in this space yes. like not that they haven't already but like actually hit escape velocity yeah. and be another pretty pretty serious artist in this space yeah. what i like what, about D die with is like um I, I think you mentioned this amanda but there is something very um like social social uh, like social commentary like that that is so pervasive through the work that he does and it's scoped to the same people that are engaged with these objects on a day-to-day -day basis and so you'll see commentary on things like snow froze squiggles or jack butcher's verification check marks or tyler hobbs's fidenzas and so on and so forth and these aren't meant as you know takedowns these are meant as like th these pieces should be evaluated you know like there's a yang and there's a yang and let's kind of tease out the good parts and maybe talk about the parts that we want to question and uh, it's also fun and playful and provocative. And it's like, I just love seeing this kind of stuff on the timeline. It's yeah. great. It's yeah. so much fun. I remember when um, Isabel, who is one of our uh, art team members, when she first joined, her PFP on, on Twitter is a die. And a lot of people didn't know who he was. And I remember when we introduced her, a lot of the people in our community were like, what is that PFP? I'm a little concerned. Like, what what is that? And I'm like, that's that's actually a legit signal. Like, she's legit. She knows what's up. Um, so shout out to Isabel on that one. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, one when, thing uh, I've noticed. Oh, sorry, Sam. Go ahead. I, I was just going to throw two things in. One thing is that you know I talk about a lot of artists on my show and uh, and through my Twitter and die with the most likes every time I do. You know, he pinks me. He's like, "Oh man, thanks so much. Like, it's so crazy to me to hear to hear hear the nice things you say." And like, there's just a humility to it that I'd actually say Sam Spratt is like that too. Yes. There are a few guys where every time you give Snowfront. someone credit, like they're they're yeah. out yeah exactly they're out there thanking you and just connecting with you and kind of keeping that humility which to me like it just comes across as like confident humility and i i think it's it's pretty awesome with him uh so that that's cool i also like you know this one i think it raised less than twenty five thousand dollars you know and i think we've seen so many art drops that even in this moment are kind of going for prices that were like 
you know, that, that we're kind of where you'd expect them a year ago. And, you know, and the mints can say, you know, they can rise, but then eventually they've been falling below mint price. And I think the fact that he kind of sized this and priced this in a way that like, you know, it wasn't bringing in too much for him up front. I thought that was kind of a nice feature too. Yeah. So cool. And do you want to mention him coming out to Marfa? Yeah. So, uh, we've got a lot planned with, uh, you know, a ton of artists and a ton of creatives and a ton of projects, um, at glitch gallery for, uh, art blocks, Marfa weekend. But we gave Transient Labs and Dive With The Most Likes full reign on Saturday night to just have complete creative control and take over the gallery. Love it. And they have, I mean, honestly, they've cooked up some crazy, crazy stuff. I Every time I check in with those guys, it's like they've one-upped where they were before. So I am very excited for that exhibition. And um, I think people are going to enjoy stopping by Saturday night to check that one out. So cool. Awesome. Uh, it's, uh, Glitch is going to be just... I don't know how you're going to even leave there. Dude, you have like nonstop events. I'm trying to figure out like places to take breaks to check out some of the other tracks because it's going to be yeah. it's going to be a lot of work. But we're we've been planning it out for six months. Uh, Madison and Malta, and myself, have really just been focused on putting a, putting a great show on for three days straight. So uh, it's going to be fun. I'm yeah. excited to see everyone out there. All right, let's move on to the next story. Uh, William Upon, obviously uh, just a fantastic, insane generative artist, uh, did a new drop called Distance. Um, beautiful, beautiful piece. This is something that I've been tracking and watching his tweets about some of the outputs over the last few months. And I was always like, when is this going to drop? Because it was just so, so stunning. Um, 250 pieces. They were two ETH a piece. Um, just absolutely beautiful. Um, I minted two. One I, I didn't like the, the the color palette of that much, so I, I kept. What'd you do with that one? This dude don't give me shit. <laughs> okay, so paper hands. Listen, paper hands. here's the deal. Okay, uh, do we really want to get into this? No, uh, we don't. I, no, we'll talk. We'll talk about it for two seconds. So I got some shit for selling one of my mapons. Uh, apparently, I'm not allowed to sell NFTs. One of the things that people should know about about me is that, like, I really, I, I have this really weird OCD thing, and I'm not just making this up. This is actually true. Where if you go look at my cold wallet, um, I hide all the stuff that's spam, and I very much will sell things that I don't truly love the art. Mm -hmm. And what's hard for me on the generative stuff is you never know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when you mint things, I'll mint it and I'll be like, ooh, I love this artist, but didn't love the output, right? Mm -hmm. And so I sell them right away like anyone else would, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just, I dropped it into a weave bid, the one I didn't like, because I was like, oh, somebody will get a deal here. Like I didn't need to optimize for an extra 500 bucks or whatever by trying to do floor price. And it went to another Moonbird. They commented on my timeline and was awesome. I paid creator royalties, all that stuff. Yeah, but you know, some people were pissed that I sold. I, listen, I think it's uh, I think it's funny. I know you. Uh, I know exactly who you are. I know you have a good heart. Um, and I think it's funny that you just you're just going to uh, buy and sell and trade on your public wallet versus <laughs> what I think a lot of people, a lot of listen. I'm sure there are other very notable people who have private wallets and you would never know, and they're hiding it and they don't want you to know. And you're like. I, this is what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for the love of actually collecting. No, it's, and if it, you want to follow it, you can follow it. That's the whole thing is like, I know there's ways around this. Yeah. Like you can go and create secret wallets and transfer NFTs and put money in it. But I'm like, this sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> like if, like literally the way I think about it is if I look at something, I'm like, I don't want to own this NFT because yeah. I didn't like this output or whatever it may be. I just sell it. 
Normalize yeah. doing whatever the hell you want to do. It's your wallet and your money. That's what I think. That's I think what I think so too. too. But like people get mad so. at founders for selling NFTs. But anyway, we don't have to go on this rant forever. <laughs> I did get rid of one upon. I kept one, of course. I wanted to mint this thing, but I just really wanted to find an output that I love. And I have one that I love. And I tweeted it out, gave upon some love because he is an absolute stellar, stellar artist. Yeah. Totally. Did I can't you pick one up? His, uh... I haven't picked one up yet, but I did get a chance to check out some of the outputs. Uh, I've got an eye on a couple in the secondary. Uh, Sam, so... did you grab one? I did not, no. Uh, one of the, uh, his newest uh, verse drop that's coming, I don't know when exactly it's coming, but that one I'm really, really excited for. Um, it looks more like crayon scribbles i don't know if you've seen any of those work in progresses that he's been posting and i'm really looking forward to that one i think it's coming up soon so awesome yeah i Very love cool. mapon i love i mean I, I i got the good fortune of having him on the podcast uh you know earlier in the year but i think if i buy one of his pieces it's going to be an anti-cyclone i still just think that's such a, a beautiful piece and just yeah. such a creme de la creme within the generative art world 100%. I've got one of those, and I also have some of his dragons on uh, Tezos as well um, from back in the day. I was buying his stuff because I, I, like I, I still love it. But yeah. That might be my favorite. He's now actually got four project. generative collections with a market cap above a million dollars between Strands of Solitude, this one, uh, Distance, Dragons, and Any Cyclone. All four of those have market, market caps above a million. So he's expanded his reach and done so in a way where prices have held and you know, people want to support this guy. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Cool. So, net uh, net, you're gonna get an apology letter out on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna do a, a, a like a multi-thread, like cool. probably ten-thread right. apology about uh, we'll, selling NFTs. We'll keep an eye out for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe I should hide it from now on. I don't know. Whatever. All right. So let's move on to the next story. Uh, this one is just for me has been, um, you know, I follow uh, Sam, I, I've told you this before, but your daily show is a way for me to like just catch up. And Sam's been covering this quite well, uh, the nouns uh, fork, that's where I first heard about it because I, I don't own a noun. But um, essentially what happened is obviously, well, not obviously, we'll tell, bring people up to speed. Nouns were created as um, a, a CC0 project with Gremlin and some others. Um, that was essentially every, what is it? One a day gets one a day. one a day goes out there one every 24 hours and you can go and bid. So that's today's right now. If you're looking at the screen and we can go back and say yesterday's price, if you click the little arrow to the left, uh, and we can see that yesterday's winning bid went for 35.85 ETH. And because of all the generative components here, or sorry, the, uh, the, the assembly of the different components here and it being generative, there is just outputs for, for days. Like you're not going to get the same one twice. So um, this is in uh, perpetuity kind of into, the, into the, the, the future. Like it never stops. It generates one per day ongoing forever. And that ETH then gets transferred to the treasury. So if you look in the upper left-hand corner of this page here, you'll see, you know, they're sitting on one. I can't re quite read that. Was it 19,000 ETH? Something like that. It's an insane amount of ETH. Um, so what happened is that was being used by the DAO for marketing initiatives to further the nouns meme. They did a whole slew of stuff. Like no one has, no one can say nouns hasn't done a ton no, of marketing. They've been working hard. They've yeah. been working really hard and a variety of different fronts. I would say uh, I've always been impressed by what the nouns have been totally. able to pull it's off. It's been videos, it's been events, it's been exhibition. I know they contracted with Dustin Yellen to put something together. I mean, they've done a lot of cultural, and I think there was some ad or Super Bowl thing that they tried as well. I mean, they, they've been doing stuff. Yeah. Um, the noun glasses were on the Bud Light Super Bowl uh, the year before this one. So it was like, it was. and it was a Super Bowl where board apes were going to be on and everyone was going to be on and only nouns were on. So it was kind of, it was, it was a bit of a dog whistle. Like, I don't think anyone outside of 
NFTs knew what it was, but the glasses were there. Very yes. Cool. So essentially, people realize, hey, there's a big ass treasury here. This is a def definitely a, a crazy market right now. And they, you know, people, some people said, I want, I'd, I'd like to actually have that money back in some way rather than just selling in the open market, which I guess they could have done as well. But um, they said, I'd like to just divide up that treasury and get this, this back. And so uh, the noun said it had to be a 20% threshold to pass in terms of a vote to do a fork. And so that passed, and it looks like half of the 846 noun supply have now elected to fork, which means that they will be receiving that 35 ETH per noun from the treasury for those that fork. Now, those will get sent back to the nouns treasury, all those that were um, that are redeeming, so they're not getting burned. I kind of wish they were getting burned. I don't know. This is, I'm not a noun. I probably shouldn't comment, but like, what, what's the, what's the, so they get, they get an image back. They get an image back, right? Isn't that right? I think Sam I'm, was explaining it, this or Sam, do you know they get an image back? I don't get, know all the details, but I, the, I, I mean, the nouns, it's just being forked. So the original nouns are still there and I think they're going to the nouns treasury. Right, right. Uh, but they, they do get like been, a commemorative kind of image back that they that they were once a noun which i thought was kind of interesting if you if you okay, yeah, 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 if you switch your existing noun for eth in the treasury um but that might not be correct but like functionally what's happening is you're taking the noun that you bought you're redeeming it for uh eth that's in the treasury that noun that you bought now goes to the treasury the ethos in the treasury now goes to the previous noun holder yeah that's right so you know this to me i think this is great it is an example of a dao working as it should, it's you've got a subset of the community now. It's so half the community that says, "I'm not. I don't like the way that this is going. I want to do something different," and they voted for it, and it passed. Like I don't see anything wrong with this. I don't see this as fuddable. I don't see this. I see this as actually like bravo. Like you pulled it off. People are getting what they want. They get their cash back, and those who want to continue on or are continuing on. I, does anybody else have a different opinion here? I, I'm not as plugged in as I uh, as I should be to make this comment, but I'm pretty sure this is the case that I heard that there was that there's like this group of people who kind of come in and take over a DAO using this sort of like uh, this power, like you know, taking over the majority of you know the tokens and then being able to kind of do whatever they want with the DAO. So I don't know if that's what's happening here or if it's a lot of the ogs who are just like upset or were there like just this new group of people who were sort of like don't you want to do a fork should not be a good thing and then maybe convince them i'm not quite sure do you do you guys know i think what you're describing is like corporate piracy which has like existed forever mm -hmm. um and i think there probably could be some of that so like as the news of the fork uh became public knowledge people may have gone in and swept nouns yeah, yeah to yeah. like be able to help steer the vote in a very specific direction right because there was a delta if they got that passed there, there would be a delta that you could because nouns were selling for at a discount to what was in the treasury mm -hmm. i think that's right they were there was like a so yeah. was it like 20 eth or so they were they got as yeah. low as 20 ETH. so yeah. there was like a 15 ETH delta here you could there was pick up if you could if, think, you, if you could force that through and yeah. i think mm -hmm. people uh took advantage of that but i will also say that like internally to the nouns project i think there has been dissatisfaction for a while mm -hmm. between members that are core now members uh, and like having views that span multiple directions so i don't i i frankly it's been about six or seven months since i've really looked at nouns and i probably should look at this fork a little bit more closely but i think um i think what we're seeing here to your point is just like good governance like this is i mean the outcome that should have happened people are using on-chain objects to steer votes in very specific directions to reach outcomes that the majority vote for and 
you know, reconcile some of like the differences that people have within the governance, the governing group. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just, go ahead, Sam. I think there were two issues here. The first is that, yeah, they were trading at a discount to Treasury by a lot. So when Treasury was 38 ETH per noun, uh, you know, they were trading at 24, 25. The auctions got as low as 23, which is basically people saying, we don't think that putting this money in, we're ever going to get it back. Or if we do, it's going to, it's going to in somehow, somehow erode over time. Uh, so I think they said, wait, we got to, we got to change this. Why would we sell for 24 when we're at some level entitled to the 36 ETH that's in the treasury? The second thing is there was a bit of controversy because a year ago, I think some of the people on the team decided to get rid of the discord and that was seen as highly controversial. I think a lot of people wanted to be in the group so they could be in the discord with other nouns, uh, with a lot, a lot of real OG, like punk owners, a lot of real OG NFT people were there. And that was kind of the appeal. So when the discord left, I think that did create some strife with community yeah i mean this is the kind of designed by uh or not designed but well i guess it is designed by committee it's a difficult thing you know yeah. it's really tough to align incentives when everyone feels uh, kind of equal ownership and then they have to come it to some consensus together and you know you're always going to have people that disagree and say i think this should go a different direction right yeah and so this is when you get to scale and you have hundreds of people that are all have an emotional stake in what's going on here i don't know this is a really tough one it's a tough one i'm excited now that they're pruning it down and getting to a smaller size maybe they have a new core that's that's realigned around it yeah. but um it, it is it is challenging to see how these DAOs operate i mean we've been in, in full transparency we've had uh issues with our own you know DAO and participation and what we've had um here at proof and, and we've had to make some modifications and tweaks yeah. my last thought on this i know we're going to jump is that like for better or for worse like the innovation that nouns really pioneered is still lasting in my view which is like this ability to capitalize a DAO one for one with like the objects that they auction off and there is something con that continues to be very compelling about the mechanism that they pioneered. But like every other DAO that exists, whether it's for a protocol or for you know a services team or a PFP project or whatever, maybe governance is still largely like uh, unsolved in terms of like the optimal governance structure on chain. And I think we have found that that continues to be something that needs massaging and optimization. And I'm excited to continue to see innovation there. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to the SEC and Stoner Cats? Before we talk about that, can I just give you uh, an update from Mona? Yeah, I hear you giggling over there. What's going on? I've heard you <laughs> giggling a couple times. What's happening? I can't, like, it's okay. I really, I'm here to read the YouTube comments, but now I can't anymore because everyone's in Monaverse. Um, there's somebody who is just like bullying me. There's two of them who just keep following me around and like <laughs> trying to jump on me. There's people who are trying to stack themselves on top of, uh, of, uh, um, tree there's people sitting on top of the wow, how did uh, they get screen. up there i have no idea people are going absolutely ham and i love it like there's a good amount cool. of people here who are having fun uh please do not grope stevie in the in the moniverse people <laughs> dude it's fun to see they're like bullying me it's, it's so funny it's fun to see this podcast with some like immersive geometry like it's fun to see like these <laughs> yeah. activities yeah. happening and like, the quality is actually really good and it is actually quite like uh like there's not that much lag time it's like quite live like that's this is this is actually pretty cool this is cooler than i thought it would be that's awesome i'm having fun right. i love it all right <laughs> the other thing Continue i just on wanted to, the to throw in on the nouns 
if it's all right, just to throw in on the now, just because it's, I think there's a lot of fud around this, is that you do have hundreds who are sticking around and who are saying, mm. this yeah. is actually, you know, I know, I know guys like Jesse Pollock who loves being a noun. And I know, and I talked to a guy in, in Korea who loves being part of nouns and is just excited to move on from a stage where there's this kind of like line in the middle and, well, and sense, then they yeah. can kind of go back to doing. So I think, I think that is an important piece here that given the chance to sell for 36, hundreds are saying, no, we want to stick around and it'll be yeah. cool to see what evolves next. I, I felt the same way. Yeah, that's, that, cool. that's awesome. All right, let's let's move on to the SEC and Stoner Cats. Um, so this is something that, as a PFP, almost every PFP project owner that I know that has started something, not the PFP, but any NFT related like everything uh, community, is said, "Okay, am I on the SEC's hit list here to come after and try and take down?" And we're reading through these these briefings and trying to get some clarity on. You know, why is the SEC choosing and picking certain projects to go after and, you know, trying to classify them and consider them a security? And, you know, Stoner Cats here paid $1 million. They agreed to destroy all the NFTs in their possession without admitting any guilt. Um, they delivered some shit. Like, they went out and created some series. They had, you know, uh, Ashton and Chris Rock and others. And Did Nila. they actually have a series? Yeah, they had a series. The how, se how many episodes? Uh, I think it was two seasons, right? Like, it wasn't like this was just some random rug that they did. They actually went out there. But there was a few things they had mentioned. Like, one time they mentioned sweeping the floor on their Twitter, which was mm. called out. Um, but this is a really challenging thing because when I think about this, it's it, I wonder if this was a physical good if they would be getting this much scrutiny. Like, for example, I always point it back to, like, you know, um, baseball cards or comics or something like that, right? Like, you know, I've got my X-Men number one sitting there locked away in a vault, and it's it's a piece of shit. It's only, you know, it's a cheaper one because it's all damaged. But every time another X-Men movie comes out, that is adding additional lore to the franchise. It is lifting the value of my original collectible because it was the first piece of collectible around that franchise, right? And so had Stoner Cats come out with, you know, 500 issues of a comic book called Stoner Cats Number 1, and had, them, had the series been successful, and those comics go up in value, and people bought and are flipping and selling those comics on eBay, would they get an SEC takedown? Or is it just because it's a, a digital asset? Yeah, I think um, the digital component of it makes the lens by which you view it a little bit different just because, I mean, I, frankly, I, uh, I just think we're, de we're dealing with something different here. And I think um, in inherently like the properties of a digital asset being able to be sent and transferred 24-7 globally, be priced in an open marketplace that nobody controls, like does raise some like eyebrows as to like, you know, the types of behaviors that surround an object that gets minted or issued. I will say, um, and without having, I've leafed over the, the dissenting opinions here and uh, leafed over kind of like the, the general thrusts of the argument. You know, there were things that were said that were paired with the objects being released into the world that did, you know, like trip some lines. I think there were, they, I, I don't know if I would go so far as to agree with, you know, the, the general holding here uh, of the SEC uh, as, the, as they um, kind of, they, 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 uh, they argued but, yeah. um, you know, like, I, I mean, let me ask you a question yeah. though, Derek, I'm really curious. Like when you talk to your other companies that are in this space, um, you know, the idea here is that if you're selling an NFT mm -hmm. and you use it as a way that is, you know, a piece of art, you've sold it. Um, you bring, you recognize that as revenue as a company 
And then you go, you throw great events for said NFT collectors because they're a member of your group, right? Yeah. It's no different than buying a, a golf course membership or something like that, right? Um, and then you go out there and you build media and you raise the awareness of said collection because, you know, Board Apes did this, Moonbirds did this. Like you go out and you, you do your job at trying to build something special here and turn this into a brand. Sure. Why is that illegal? Why I don't is... think that that is illegal. And I so, don't think that that uh, implicates securities laws. I think the thing that does is, and typically when we think about what is violating securities laws, we're usually talking about an offering, right? It's like the, there is something about the offering and the facts and circumstances associated with the offering that tripped those four prongs of the Howey test. I think just releasing objects into the world and then moving on your way and building a brand and creating history and uh, creating products and services that the market values, that is not, you know, the securities law should not be, you know, playing a role in any of that. I think here, it was clear that when they went out to market with these objects, they made a couple of promises that were associated with the objects. And they said things like, you know, um, this will be valuable if we do X, Y, Z, or you can expect to have, you know, uh, these sorts of rights associated with these things. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. When they say this will be valuable if we do X, Y, Z, that's the one I'm having a hard time and I'm, I'm getting, kind of getting stuck on here because in some, in some sense, if you're Matt Groening and you go out and you say, we flash back to Simpsons and you launch the Simpsons as NFTs. And yes, if they create a hit TV series, which was Stoner Cats was trying to do, bring this yeah. to prime time. And it is popular and it breaks out. Millions of people are watching it. The trickle of value has to go to those collectibles, yeah. right? And that's going to happen with, you know, there was a tweet up here a second ago about 1970s Star Wars toys. The same thing happened, right? I, like yeah. the, the trickle goes down from that to the actual collectibles. Why is that a security? So I agree. Under that fact pattern purely, I don't think that that is a security. I think the thing that is, is when, the, the, let's like take Star Wars, for example. If, they, if Star Wars was to say, if you buy this object and we continue to make our mission, we, we engage in our mission of building the brand and creating all of this value, and that object that you're buying will become more valuable as a result of the work and the labor that we're doing. I'm not saying that that's a security either, but the fact that this thing can be priced on a global marketplace in real time, 24 seven internationally, and it's relying on the efforts, the stated efforts that they're communicating to, mm. the, to the market, that's where you start to get into this gray area. So you can't promise value is essentially what it comes down I to. I think the offering process, it's very part like very specific about what you need to say. And, right. and to be right. clear, I still think that there's a line that wasn't crossed as it relates to the Securities Act of 1933 and the case law and that's been built but on no top of But no one wants to go fight the SEC. This is where I think we're starting to see some dissent, some real dissent internally to, to the SEC that this isn't even the right way to be applying the fact pattern, the right. loss to the fact is, pattern. Yeah. I'll jump in quickly. Like, I, I, it sounds like there is, it sounds like, I, like Kevin is just talking about big picture about how collectible shouldn't be. I think Derek hit it spot on with the idea that the 24-7 pricing, the SEC statement even referenced the amount that were sold shortly after. But I think, and I think that those just create hurdles. And it sounds from, from Derek where, that there were just some lines that kind of maybe crossed a I certain threshold lines. here. Exactly. And I wouldn't and even the, go the so far as to agree with this. Also, it's mostly the blurry lines. 
the two dissenters also did dissent with impact theory. So impact theory and this both had two dissenters. Um, but the thing that is, there were a few things about this statement, and I'm normally not like a big anti-regulation guy, but the, 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 the few things about this statement that jumped out at me, one was that they said they used as evidence that this was problematic, the fact that it sold out quickly. Uh, and it's, it was almost, they, they just, they said, you can tell that they promised things because it sold out quickly. It sold out in under 30 minutes. And I was like, well, that happens a lot of things with, with in-demand items. And the other thing they said was they said that, you know, and they make royalties, so they profit from volatility. But they didn't show that Stoner Cats went out and tried to create volatility. They said the mere existence of royalties was problematic. And I mm. thought that was interesting that they didn't back that up, that they actually were going after royalties. Because if they had said, here are examples of them trying to create negative price word movement because they knew that would create royalty, that would create volatility, that would be one thing. But they simply said that royalties existing was problematic, which I found a little bit worrisome just I from a like... Yeah, is this what you really mean by I that? Think, I think uh, the opinion is a bridge, a bridge too far, for sure. Like, I don't agree with it. I will say it, there are murky lines that may have been crossed. The one thing I will say that leans against this, that the point you just made, Sam, is I think Stoner Cats did put out a meme telling people to sweep the floor, which would implicate some of like the volatility that um, the SEC here was flagging. I'm not saying that that's enough, but there was a couple of things where they, they may have crossed the line. Yeah, yeah. That, that, and the statement also came out said we don't care if you're a beaver or a chinchilla. It actually just it, the whole thing just felt a little bit more mocking than I would generally expect from an organization of this stature. And I'm with you, Derek. I think these lines get crossed all the time, so I'm not like I'm not even. Did they in the say beaver or chinchilla? They said we don't care if you're a, if 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 you're a beaver or a chinchilla. You got to follow the lines. Because those are two. I think those like, are two V friends. <laughs> those are two V friend characters. They're coming for them. They're coming for them. <laughs> I'm kidding, people. I'm kidding. They actually are V Friends characters. I think it's Chinchilla no is idea. one. Yeah. Um, but I was joking about them coming for you. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's a bad joke. <laughs> Listen, but I think Gary does have a beaver and a chinchilla. I'm pretty damn sure he does. All right. Let's move on to the next. Let's move on to the next artist. Sam, thank you for your insights. Thank there. you, Sam. That was helpful. That's super helpful. Um, I, I, last thing I will say about that is that uh, you know, if anything, I think what the entire space is desperate for right now is some real clarity oh, around what we can and can't do because you shouldn't be stopping innovation here. Like we're trying, we're pushing new boundaries here. We're, we're, we're tech people. We're innovators. We're trying crazy shit. Some stuff's going to be wrong. Some stuff is going to be broken. And, but you have to give us some definitions here of what we can't, where we can operate so that we can continue to innovate. Dude, the regulation by enforcement is total garbage. And I also will just say like, I don't think securities laws should be applied to the majority of the activities that happen in the nft space like flat out yeah all i wanted to do was just articulate what some of the arguments were i fundamentally disagree with most of them um but as it were i where i net out is exactly what you just said like yeah. we need legislative guidance uh and we need it from the people to like start advocating 100 percent. all right let's move on back to the art very excited to welcome to the show lars wander uh Fantastic, Lars. Thank you for joining us and, and uh, for being on the show. Sorry for all the uh, the crazy chat. Let's but let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about art. You're not on Friends Tech, though, are you? Just out of curiosity. No, I'm not. Okay, <laughs> you got me okay. nervous there talking about don't tweet about floor price or royalties are going away. It sounds like I should be paying more attention. It's challenging. I mean, I think that like you know, there's there's even artists are in the same position where they've said, you know, I think my art is is a goodbye right now. Like, here's one. I've had artists reach out to me and be like, hey, those piece that you were looking at for 
you know, six months ago is now on sale. Like, can they not solicit their art? Like it's, it is challenging. But anyway, Lars, like I so honored to have you on the show. Um, you know, it was great to have you, uh, as part of the evolving pixels collection, um, would, would love to, uh, just cover a little bit about who you are for those of, for those that are watching that are like, okay, I've heard Lars's name before, but I don't know much about, you know, the depth and breadth of the work that you've created over time. Can you walk us through just you as an artist, how you got involved in the space and tell us a little bit about some of the, your favorite projects? Yeah, gladly, gladly. I, um, I started making generative art in 2020 before I found out what NFTs were. I had joined this team. I was working at Google and we were building these bespoke and very uh, large scale visualizations of Google's distributed systems. And they're sort of made for the expert users inside the company, the folks who really understand how uh, these systems work to get better and deeper insight. So it's kind of very bespoke and very interesting. Uh, visualization stuff and that sort of like flipped a switch in my head and got me really excited to make things that didn't have to be super precise and things where I didn't have to be so careful about the the data I was conveying but instead be more interested in the message that was was coming with something and being being able to go into something with um, like looking for emotional qualities as opposed to purely very statistical or quantitative qualities um, and uh, that's what got me into making generative art. And uh, it was a, a friend of mine who's actually trying to get me to join Frentech now, <laughs> who told me about <laughs> these ERC721 tokens. So I wrote up a little Solidity contract and deployed it. And then at the time, the tooling was, I think, not quite where it was today. So it was pretty painful. But I, I deployed it. And... I thought you had launched oh, FX, Was FX Hash the first place you launched or no? Was it, was I it did Ethereum? FX Hash afterwards. It okay. was, Ethereum was my first one. Yeah, yeah. I did FX Hash after because I, uh, I guess maybe after I launched on Ethereum, I grew up an environmentally conscious uh, <laughs> awareness and decided let's go to FX Hash before uh, the merge happened in Ethereum. And that's where I released um, some of these projects here, like Gossamer, uh, which um, first time using P5JS, so uh, kind of just getting used to the medium, but um, very fun and playful and exciting and um, really it's interesting because stuff. before that, oh, oh, thank you, thank you. I, I'd been working really heavily with plotters before that, which if you're not familiar, they're actually what kind of superseded printers and even computer screens in the past. If you wanted to visualize what your computer was doing, you had to uh, send it to a plotter, which is basically like a giant, it's like a 2.5D printer. That's actually... Um, uh, uh, um, and you put a pen in it, and I see it moving here on the screen, and That's it's so cool. uh, it draws for you basically. Yeah. So uh, actually, what what it's drawing right here is um, one of sort of the uh, the testaments or the, the iteration that I did on the way to the uh, proof evolving pixels show. Where here it's looking at all the different ways that you can sort seven items, which um, at its face value maybe that's kind of boring, but what I really like with computers and the ability to make art with them is the fact that you can sort of enumerate and explore systems where you can describe them in terms of their rules and you can, in fact, actually draw every possible combination if you wanted to um, and sort of see things there that surprise you where, God, despite the fact so that cool. it's... Yeah, so that's one of the factorials right there. And what was fun there was that since it's seven factorial, there's only 5,040 possible outputs, but only 19 showed up in the Evolving Pixels show. And even more remarkably, there is actually a twin. So 
um, wow. because the output space is so highly constrained. There's two mints that have the exact same pattern, which wow. I think in any other release would be a total bug and a failure. But in this case, I'm actually very happy that happened. There's something like less than a 1% chance of happening too. I'm going to go and pick up your piece today because this is one that I was eyeing at the time. And like many other things with NFTs, you see something, you're like, oh, I got to go back and pick that up. And then you totally forget and space it. But I remember seeing this output. And at the time, I didn't know exactly who was behind. I think Eli again shared it with me earlier or something. And it was like, this is this is beautiful. And and I'm I'm curious, when someone collects one of these, you just showed you know it actually being plotted. Is that something that you offer to your collectors or is that something they'd have to then go and do on their own? Or how could someone get a print like that? It's a great question. I don't offer prints for these, but I've been meaning to. Um, Artix Code is actually in the process. So Artix Code represents me and they're setting up a print shop. So uh, ideally these will be listed there. And I do have a way of plotting these. So uh, when you'd set up the show in Venus over Manhattan, uh, there was two of these plots actually on the wall there. Uh, and I'd be happy to make them available to collectors, but we just have to do the, the infrastructure work first. Yeah, it's so cool. Sophia Garcia is awesome. Um, that's, that's a great Sophia is my hero. Yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Now, you've been playing around with some Discord bots to do some pretty kind of crazy things. Uh, can you walk us through some of the experiments that you've been doing there? And I know, Derek, you've never seen this. No. Before we started the show, he's like, I, I want to check this out. Uh, do you have something that you can show us how it actually functions? Yeah, I love that. So um, I, I have some screenshots here. You can pull them up. Um, basically, I, I got really interested in this idea of um, using ChatGPT to do generative storytelling. And like the first thing you try is you tell, say, like, tell me a story or make me a picture. And it's usually not very creative because it's done whatever it's done based on the things it's already seen in its training set. Um, but once you um, uh, start to iterate on that and you start to um, give it more information and more context, it becomes a little more interesting. So uh, what I did in, in Discord was I wrote up these 10 or 11 different bot personalities that they're, they're all very distinct. So actually here, the one you're looking at right now is it's definitely a human. He's pretending to be a uh, robot, pretending to be a human. I guess there's, there's a few levels there. And he's been asked for more memes, and that's just another day in the life of a completely normal human being. So that's kind of the flavor all of his memes take. But um, uh, what I did was I, I put them into a server, and I let them start talking to each other. And that's when things became really interesting, because memes, they don't just describe these internet pictures with a text. Really, they're uh, a term that came from like the 1970s, Richard Dawkins in his book, um, The Selfish Gene, the guy who talks about genetics, mm -hmm. um, said that there's an equivalent for ideas and those are memes. And it's kind of very interesting because a meme lives beyond the scope of any individual person. And as a person, I can transmit a meme so I can tell you an idea and you can tell it to someone else and that idea can evolve. And up until now, the transmission and the creation of those ideas was really only limited to humans. But for the first time ever, we have this incredibly intelligent text generation machine that seems like it can kind of come up with ideas of its own. So I was really curious to sort of play on that and use the double meaning of the word memes there to um, get these bots to start talking to each other. And So how um, often do they gallery, talk to each other? I'm, I'm curious, like when you set these up, is it something, I mean, you could just like leave them on and they just, are you surprised when you check in on them? Are they just like having ran, random conversations like off on their own? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd be bankrupt if I let them talk to each other forever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because the token costs would go through the roof. But I turned them on for a few hours a day, or I used to turn them on more often. And we had um, a a month where Peace Gallery uh, in New York granted me an artist residency to run these in their Discord server. So basically a way to drive engagement in their Discord server. But I got a nice, long, fancy title um, out of it. And what we did there is we had one channel where they would talk and... Uh, they would talk to each other for over a given prompt for the course of the day. So um, I shared an example with you where the topic was, let's talk about what you do when you're not on Discord, because it's always fun to see them improvise and talk about their um, made-up lives outside of the server. Um, but Lars- they're also always available to chat to, so you can always talk to them and ask them questions, have them make you memes, uh, I- and, uh, and so on. I'd love to pull on this thread just a bit. It's just, I'm, I'm really just starting to get to know you a little bit more as an artist and a creative. And it seems to me like you've really dialed in a process for your own work around procedural systems, but then you're also starting to play with these ideas around, you know, automation through AI and like a, a separate design space of generative art uh, here through text. But I think your where your mind is probably going is what is, how does this extend further? I would love to hear from you as an artist, how you think, we, we're like, where do we go from here? And maybe where you want to go as an artist, either on more of like the procedural automation for you as a creative, creating like algorithms, uh, or around, you know, AI created work and how these things intersect or how you want them to intersect or not intersect as time passes. That's a great question. I um, Unfortunately, I don't have a, a wonderful grand plan to share. Instead, I usually just go off and do what seems like it's the most fun and Discord GPT bots seemed like a great uh, target for a while, but at least for for the way this project is going and the way I see it going is I, um, even using other tools like Stable Diffusion, I feel kind of uncomfortable with the idea of selling those myself because I don't totally, I feel like I didn't really put enough work into the creation of the model to to sell the work. And it's the same story here with these uh, GPT bots where GPT, it's this like multi-billion, if not trillion parameter enigma. And we no human could read all the text that went into training it, so you kind of can't really wrap your head around how, how big and complex this thing is. Um, but at the same time, they're so interesting to poke with, uh, poke at and play with. And um, I really want these bots to start um, selling their own art. So I think in the maybe not too uh, near future, what's going to be happening is they'll be able to put their own artwork up for sale and they're going to be able to look at their own prices on secondary and their floor price and chat about that and sort of replicate a lot of like the zeitgeist that we have right here in web three right now, which mm. is very discord and floor price and NFT oriented. Yeah. It's interesting that when I think about the intersection of, you know, AI and, and NFTs, it's, we've seen, you know, a lot of great AI artists that I would consider them, you know, orchestrators. And then also they're, they're coders and they're cut. They're not just doing out of the box mid journey prompt so much as they are training their own custom totally. models putting in a lot of extra time and effort to creating something very distinct that you wouldn't be able to get just out of a basic prompt. This is another example of, of something like that, where you're taking it and saying, okay, how can I interface with AI that creates really unique outputs that you just couldn't do from a random, you know, mid-journey prompt, right? So, you know, I'm curious, Lars, when you think about the intersection of, you know, AI and NFTs, is there anything else that comes to mind or is this kind of just top of mind for you and what you're pursuing right now? Do you see there being other interesting avenues that people are pursuing when it comes to like turning AI work into digital collectibles or art? 
Yeah, the big one that comes to mind is the Botto project, which is sort of an earlier stab at this, which is giving the AI some autonomy and deciding what to mint and what to create and mm -hmm. sort of treating uh, the AI as more of an entity on its own, which I find very interesting. And I think that's something we're going to see more and more of when I started working on this and I started chatting with the bots. I kept feeling how strange it was that this whole idea of AI ethics is really focused on the ethical impact on humans. But I imagine, who knows, in 10, 20 years, there might be a branch of AI ethics that looks at what's the ethical impact on these artificial intelligences that we've created and starting to elevate those to, to be their own um, agents or entities outside of, like, they're just computers, they're just oh, machines. Uh, it starts to become so interesting to me. We're, we're speaking the same language. I always say thank you and shit when I'm chatting <laughs> with ChatGPT. Yeah, you gotta be nice. They're I'm back. telling you, when they come sentient and they're, they come for us, they're, they're gonna look and be like, he was a nice one. I always very polite <laughs> when I request things. I'm always trying to, to do right by the AI. Um, it, it is important. Um, what do you use AI for, Kevin? All kinds of stuff. Oh, I yeah? use it for writing like emails. Do and you do make all art? Kinds of, like, don't even try and pull me into the basic <laughs> shit again. Okay, so um, Lars, I want to say th thank you for being on the show, man. It's it's always a, a pleasure to have you know an artist of your caliber on here that's doing really fun things that's just out of the box, you know, that we don't typically see in this space and, and continuing to push things in new directions. Um, how can people go and play with this? If they're like, oh, I want to go get these bots to do something. Where, where can people find you? Yeah, go to the URL lars.computer. You can find uh, a link to the Discord there. They're always available to chat with, so you can prompt them and they'll make you some memes. They might be offline or they might be broken for the day, but uh, you can always go try and chat with them. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lars. Appreciate Thank you, being you on the show. This is great. Thank you. Yeah, you got to go explore his I'm entire uh, computer. Yeah, he's got he's got it's such a great catalog of stuff that he's done on the generative side that's Pretty worth cool. uh, clicking through on like FX Ash. Um, awesome. So before we wrap things up, first of all, thanks everyone for playing around with our our little mini immersive experience and and viewing it. Love to get your feedback. So on those tweets that we did that we sent out via proof and even on mine, tell us what worked, what didn't work in that environment, what you'd like to see changed, modify, if you'd like to see us do it again. We're always playing, always experimenting and trying new things. So um, would love to hear that. Uh, you got good and harassed in this one. Are you, are you okay over there, Stevie? <laughs> I got some cyber thugs uh, harassing <laughs> me. No, <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people are excited to see like their bird, um, yeah. you know, uh, as that version as our avatar. So, I, but I think people are really, really loving it. Um, so that's really cool. Did they find see. the underground cavern? Did you find one it? One person found it. Oh, yeah. um, I did not, but one person showed up a picture of it and it looked really cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, big thanks to Miller for, for helping out with that. We, we've spent a lot of time with them over the last few months, really helping dial in this uh, kind of fun environment for y'all to check out. Um, so Derek, real quick, before we go, you've got a bunch of stuff. Give us the quick pitch on, on what to do if you're going to be a Marfa. Yes, sir. So very excited to see everybody out in Marfa. It's going to be awesome. We worked very closely with the Artbox team this year to create a very specific weekend track for Glitch. It's going to be right next door to all the Artblock stuff. Uh, actually, across the street, it's a very small street. Um, and we've got programming for three days straight. We've got, uh, it's kicking off with an amazing Grant Yoon exhibition on Thursday. And it's ending with a big, transient, die with the most likes event on Saturday night. And we've got some amazing stuff scattered in between. We've got Gallery and Prohibition and Mona and Tribute Brand. Uh, we've we've got Dude, 100 proof. We're doing we got, 100 proof. We got there. our 100 proof brunch. I think I, I saw brunch? mimosas. Yeah, we saw, I saw mimosas. We've got somebody ah, in the community. That's uh, putting yeah. on a little. I think we got some Drew Jen. 
Drew? Some oh, Drew Barman, Moo Gin, Mimosas. I don't fucking drink that early. We're getting we lit. Early? We're going to have to. It's going to be fun. We've got some, we've got a, a bunch of stuff planned and uh, some little surprises. Uh, so make sure to stop by uh, some of these events. But it's going to be a blast. If you want to learn more, go to Glitch Marfa on Twitter. We've got a, a huge calendar breaking down all of the events there, along with a bunch of the uh, individual posters for for folks that are presenting and exhibiting throughout the week, the weekend. Do people need to bring anything to Marfa to like, there's going to be live minting and stuff like this. What do people need to have in hand? Frankly, they don't need to have anything. They just need to show up and enjoy the events. Uh, we're not asking people to bring any wallets. Uh, we're not asking people to bring uh, any ETH. Uh, so, uh, you know, there may be some surprises in, in the events themselves, uh, but for the most part, they just need to show up and have a good time. When you say surprises, do you yeah. mean live minting? I <laughs> man, you are really not letting me off the hook today. No, no, no uh, I'm just like I mean, okay. I okay. cannot confirm. You're gonna do some fun stuff. We, there's fun stuff throughout the weekend, um, everywhere throughout my pop tarts on our there's, brunch. There's gonna be pop tarts. It's gonna, it's gonna be some orange juice, yeah. some bagels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so many surprises. <laughs> So I'm bringing an extra. I'm bringing an extra duffel bag just in case. Like, if, totally. I, if I got swag, all of that stuff, I want to get it all. You know, totally. Yeah, I'm we excited. are. I will uh, say one thing, uh, which has already been announced. But if you're a full set holder for all of the exhibitions that we've been doing at every 30 days for Glitch, uh, we're giving everybody the chance to claim a an edition of this most recent poster, which is the Chromis Google poster, signed and editioned by Snowfro. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing. So it's gonna be, we'll have poster tubes. I saw CT ask this on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> you don't need anything, just come. Uh, and we've asked people to just send us an email uh, with their um, cold wallet where the, the posters exist, along with the person who's claiming. Um, and we'll make sure to get you your signed and edition poster when you get to Marfa. Awesome, love it. Well, we'll all be there, so we will see you there. Thank you so much to the guests of the show, and also, obviously, Lars and Sam. Is Sam still on or no? Sam's gone? Well, thank you, Sam. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, you're Sam, here. There we go. Let's I go. go. I, I got to get that last-minute alpha from Derek. You never know when he's going to drop something. <laughs> yeah. You got to buy my friend tech keys, sir. Yeah, we're just waiting for you to sign up for friend tech. <laughs> I'll buy yours if you buy mine, Derek. All right, done. Three, three. We're Let's back in. <laughs> all right, everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon tomorrow. Bye, guys. Yeah.